Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E N C E L A D U S Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. Funny the things a grown man will do for a living. Especially me. Take this morning, I'm breaking into Robin Masters' estate. You know, the writer, one of all those bestsellers. All that money. With your host, Pete. No, that's not Robin. That's ex-Sergeant Major Higgins. And Greg. He takes his job much too seriously. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. That sound! I find it quite irritating. I'm over, no doubt. Probably trying to impress a date by entering what some of your society friends would call a chug-a-lug contest. Higgins, what are you doing playing with toy airplanes? They are not toys. They're perfect replicas of RAF and German warplanes. You're playing with toys like little children. <coughs> cough switch. <coughs> oh, wait, that's not how the cough switch works. You're supposed to actually press a button. Yeah, you're actually supposed to mute it if you're going to do the cough switch. Cough switch! <laughs> I'm calling out cough switch. Oh, too late. Oh, uh, all right. <coughs> That just happened. <laughs> and another episode of Hindsight is 2020. Back into TV. episode? It could be with hmm. that Ferrari and you being <laughs> Zeus and me being Apollo. You know, Higgins, it's time that we go into our swanky island nightclub in our white tuxedo and grab an Uzi to go shoot at people <laughs> on the street. Well, it was the 80s. Every There were drug dealers lurking behind every shrub. Why not? So what's your what's your home protection choice? Eh, small Uzi. Why not? You know, it, it's good. It's for okay. I'm former military. <laughs> I wear a white tuxedo for no all reason. Of us, all of us dress like this and carry these around. <laughs> yes, we are talking about Magnum P.I., and we're talking specifically about the pilot because that's all i watched <laughs> oh this was your idea this was yes, your idea this was my idea we hadn't done television in a bit and i was looking around at uh, what was on netflix streaming and i went hey continuing our conquest of 80s stuff uh let's let's jump into a show that i have uh somewhat fond memories of and see what holds up and what you get into and see what I'd forgotten. So, yes, we're here with Magnum P.I. Oh, Magnum P.I. I watched the pilot of Gimme a Break. Oh. Damn it. Now I was going to talk about Nell Carter for the next 45 minutes, but I guess not. <laughs> well, maybe maybe next week. Well, then I'll just go on to a 45-minute diatribe on the life and times of Beth, Bess Truman. Well, we we could also just do a super episode with Silver Spoons as well. <laughs> no, <laughs> one-two punch. <laughs> I like my study of Best Truman. So, uh, why Magnum? 
Uh, well, this is going to sound extremely nerdy, and for anyone who's young and listening to this, you're probably just going to scratch your head at what I'm about to say, but ha, I don't care. Um, this was a show that ran from 80, uh, 1980 to 1988, uh, so eight full seat. well, uh, the last season, I'll talk about it a little bit more, but uh, more or less eight full seasons, and um, this was one of those shows that was, it just permeated the pop culture of the day uh it was very very popular it was a big hit for cbs and it was one of those shows that i always wanted to watch and um you know limited number of tvs you didn't have all your tablets and smartphones and whatnot and mom was always like no um so they would kind of go out of their way to park themselves in front of a television set when this was on and i never really got to see much of it um, during its original airing. Uh, so when they finally relented, when I was deemed age-appropriate to be watching, you know, people running down the street with Uzis or whatever, uh, this was kind of one of my, oh, I have arrived. I can watch Magnum. And then uh, for a while, it was in syndication, and I would come home after school, and I would catch up on episodes and just kind of got into the show that way. So I just kind of have fond... Uh, childhood memories of uh, this particular show. So that's part of my rationale for it. Um, was this anything as far as you? I know you said that you didn't really watch this growing up, but did anybody in your house watch it? Or, like, what are your memories of it? Remove that word, really, because I didn't watch this growing up. <laughs> I knew the theme song, I knew mustachioed Tom Selleck winking at the camera and peeling off in a red Ferrari, and I knew a helicopter shot flying over the water during the opening credits with the Mike Post music or whatever, whoever did the music. That's it. I oh, we had nothing. Mike Post and Pete Carpenter in this, two stalwarts of the 80s. So. Oh, yeah. So I know I knew nothing, absolutely <laughs> nothing about this show. And it was a friend of mine that um, when we originally started doing this podcast – and said, come up with some ideas. Magnum P.I. was actually one of his things because apparently it was his favorite show growing up. But again, I knew nothing. So how blind could I be going into <laughs> watching the pilot on the Netflix? That And that's right, it was the Netflix. Mm -hmm. That is as blind as I could be. Absolutely no context for this show except for the theme song and Tom Selleck. So I... Went in blind and watched the two-part pilot episode, and that's as far as I've gotten because it's, damn it, it's been busy around here. <laughs> uh, and to be fair, so, these these are longer episodes than you get out of an hour of TV today. Apparently, the runtime was about forty-eight minutes per episode. So yeah, now you get about forty-two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, commercials, folks, commercials. It's all about the money. So, yeah, that that was as far as I knew, and also I knew, a, well, I can't say I even knew anything about the show. I just knew from my reading of Hollywood entertainment business type stuff that there was talk of doing a reboot of Magnum P.I., and Clooney was one of the guys on that list. Now, I think this was well over 10 years ago, but... Eh, that that is the extent of it. There's my knowledge, Magna PI. And so we're doing it as a hindsight to say, based off of my pilot episode and you seeing all of it, what would be the reboot of this right now? Yeah, what what did we have? What do we got that sticks with us and what would we like to potentially do moving forward? Yeah. 
I think running down the street in a white dinner jacket with a small Uzi is what definitely has to go into the modern show. I, I think that should be the opening shot. <laughs> Who is he, James Bond in the 80s? No. <laughs> no, that's not even Magnum. That's just some other guy. <laughs> that's his friend Rick. <laughs> yeah, there's the names. There's uh, Higgins, the, the the butler at the estate. Give give him a you know thirty seconds or less summation of the show for whoever else is might listen to this who uh, is like me and knows nothing. All right, well I'll, I'll probably overindulge a little bit, but uh, I'll just stop me if I'm rolling too much or if you have questions. You're rolling too much. Oh man, <laughs> already. All right, Anyways, go. I'm gonna I'm gonna press on here. Uh, this was originally written, again, we already mentioned some of the composers, but you had uh, some big producer names kind of behind it back in the day, too, in uh, Donald Belisario and Glenn Larson. Um, and these were also people who had been very successful in television in the late 70s and in the early 80s. And with, uh, like, Larson did the original run of Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers. What did Belisario do? I only know Belisario from later on when he did Quantum Leap. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, these these were known known guys, and um, this show really made Tom Selleck as an actor. Um, I think I'd, if you go far enough back, there's, like, one other movie prior to this role that I remember ever seeing the guy in, but this was... This was what made him kind of stick. Uh, the basic setup with this is Magnum is an ex, uh, what, Navy SEAL? Marine? I, yeah, I think it was a Marine because I rewatched after we had this discussion saying, wait, what were they in Vietnam? Were they Navy <laughs> SEAL or Marines? And we thought, well, he was maybe a Navy SEAL because he's at Hawaii by the naval base. Mm -hmm. But what it actually was is that he was a Marine who just happens to be living in Hawaii with an... Well, okay. See, this is where it gets confusing, and oh, it's going to okay. require well, a little bit of research. Let's let's pull it apart here. Because he, in the second half of the pilot episode, he put on a naval... Naval uniform. uniform yeah, right. Which makes me wonder whether or not he was Navy, but... The helicopter guys who came to pick him up in Vietnam during one of the flashbacks were in what was clearly on the side of the helicopter, right full camera, they didn't avoid it, said Marines. Marines, yeah. So I don't know if he was a Navy SEAL or he was a Marine. He was a war-liking guy. How about that? All right, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, but, yeah, he's this is after, obviously, the Vietnam War and everything, and... Um, America was, this was still very much in the popular culture and everything and people just trying to kind of come to terms with it. And this show is actually credited as being one of the first to, um, show Vietnam veterans in a positive light. It was actually known for that. And so there had been a lot of things showing kind of the more damaged or shell-shocked soldiers who had come back and, um, kind of playing off of that stereotype and idea. And this was one where uh, Magnum and his friends, uh, Rick and TC, who had also been in Vietnam, uh, were all portrayed in more, like I said, a positive light. And a lot of the stories eventually kind of interweave and do bring in some of this military past of theirs and kind of takes advantage of it along those lines. Um, so if I'm going to do a Star Trek comparison again, uh, sorry, uh, you can think of it as uh, them as the Bones, uh, Spock, and Kirk 
kind of grouping of the show. Um, they were kind of the heart of it, and eventually uh, Higgins, who is the uh, supposed to be this kind of stern ex-military British character who more or less runs this estate where Magnum uh, hangs out, uh, kind of gets blended in with that group as well, and it, it really does become kind of a foursome that holds the show together. Uh, Higgins and Magnum live at this place called Robin's Nest, which is in Oahu and is just beautiful to look at, of course. And uh, it's never said specifically what Magnum did to get on the good side of the uh, writer who owns it. Uh, This Robin Masters owns the estate and Higgins kind of runs it for him. And uh, Magnum's living in basically the uh, beach house, the guest house. But he gets to use the Ferrari and other things like that. And so there's interplay um, between Higgins and uh, Magnum all the time about using stuff or borrowing stuff. And there will be guests who show up who are connected with Robin Masters. And I had totally forgotten about this. Apparently Orson Welles, we never really see Robin Masters, but Orson Welles did the voice on the phone. So a couple times a year he would prop up on the phone and talk in some of the later seasons apparently they went through um a kind of little mystery about whether or not perhaps higgins was in fact robin masters so they kind of retconned that a little bit but i don't think they ever came in and definitively said uh, one way or another but they just kind of had some fun with that uh something else that they kind of had fun with and something that i'm sure we'll mention because it was the only other Hawaii, popular Hawaii-based show was good old Hawaii Five O. Did you ever watch that? Never. <laughs> I I've only seen little snippets. I've I've never seen more than five minutes probably of the original, and I've only ever seen promos for the uh, revamped version here that's on CBS these days. But that apparently that original series ran from sixty-eight to eighty, and they. It was kind of like a passing of the torch type of thing. So there's lots of references one way or another to um, either show respectively. So where one kind of left off, the other one picked up just with a new uh, group of characters and different setup and everything. But Magnum, as the uh, private investigator and everything, kind of stands out um, for the time period where the show was produced, I think. Probably the bread and butter of a lot of these hour-long series and everything like that back then was more of the cop drama. So you would have your Hunter and shows like that. Um, And you would have some violent acts, obviously, in some of the episodes and everything. But it wasn't, wasn't like you were watching Miami Vice or hunter or something along those lines um i i gave a lot of thought to what it was that i think made magnum a character i mean he's got kind of his trademarks with the car and he usually was wearing a detroit lion or tiger's hat and uh, the hawaiian shirt and all that kind of stuff but it was really his interplay with those other characters that i mentioned before and that friendship with them but also this was a guy who every now and again misjudged somebody and made a bad call and had to kind of pay the price for that. This was somebody who didn't always rely on uh, weapons or something like that. A lot of times he had to outthink 
the criminals or the situation that he was kind of up against and uh, kind of bounce back um, and use, like I said, his uh, mind a little bit more, I think, than some of the other characters um, and some of those more crime-based, cop-based dramas and that type of thing. So I think that was part of the appeal to him. And then, I, again, Tom Selleck, he's very solid in the role and just kind of has a very likable personality as the character. So I think the actor uh, himself brought a lot to uh, that role. So that's my big, fast overview. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I like that uh, we could tie this in with our modern-day Expendables reboot and have these two historically awkwardly combined figures of Pierce Brosnan and Tom Selleck team up in Magnum in a uh, an Expendables movie where both of them got passed over because their stupid 80s TV show contracts tied them in. So you, you could add Indiana Jones and James Bond in the 80s. Instead, you had Magnum P.I. and Remington Steel. So. Very true. Sure. Why not? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that is the the... Historically famous trivia is Tom Selleck was originally offered Indiana Jones, but, oh, no, he was Magnum P.I., so. Well, and apparently in, uh, I can't remember if it was season seven or eight, they actually have an entire episode where they basically put him in the Indiana Jones role for an episode and have him go after some MacGuffin and have fun with it, so. Why they were kind of kind of winking winking about it by the end of it. Why wouldn't they? It was kind of like Dukes of Hazard. How many stories can you tell of this guy? Oh, well, uh, according years? to Wikipedia, 162 episodes about this guy. Uh, we won't re- we won't bash again. Just the, such a different world we live in with television storytelling now, and yes. the serialized storytelling versus the episodic. And what you mentioned there brings me right to where we are as far as all right. Somebody somewhere is sitting saying, we're going to redo this because they redo everything. And when you said the buzzword, that's exactly what I see. The I've seen promos during NFL games for the Hawaii Five-0 reboot. Mm-hmm. And all you'd have to do is just put one guy instead of several, and it would just be their Magnum PI reboot. I, it, that's all it would be. It was just some crappy CBS hour-long procedural that would get people to watch because they're either a 75 years old and have nothing to do and that's CBS's demographic or b you're got an NFL audience that it's just going to be ingrained in your head because you're watching CBS on all Sunday afternoon and you see 19 ads for Magnum PI this week some sort of crazy shenanigans on the island of Hawaii derpy derp and <laughs> that's how they would do it so my question is is what what could be done differently that it, so it wouldn't end up being that uh, Sherlock Holmes reboot, the person of interest? Uh, I mean, hell, Tom Selleck is doing some sort of show, or he was. Yeah, on he's CBS. doing something called like Blue Bloods, which I've never watched. But. Again, there's the key f- phrase right there never watched <laughs> <laughs> because it just all seems the exact same. It's a procedural. It's. Hey, here's here's this bad guy of the week. We got to go get him, and everything will reset, and we'll start all over. But we've we've been over that so many times. Yes, we have rehashed. We've been, but we've been down that a bit. Is there? I guess I'll ask you as the mm. Magnum expert of the group. 
is there a serialized story to be told with Magnum P.I., or would it have to be, just by the nature of the the phrase P.I., mm-hmm. would it have to be a, a procedural, or is there a way to blend with, I mean, based on uh, our history here with the podcast, I'll go back to Smallville as the example. Not the greatest example, but the example of blending serialized storytelling telling with the procedural aspect of week to week is there a serialized story to tell with magnum well it was interesting uh when i went back and i was looking at some of the kind of trivia and descriptions and information and that kind of stuff obviously you had certain things um i know something that jumped out to both of us and something that continued through the series beyond just the pilot was the narration that you get tom Selleck doing yeah in the episodes and everything like that. Uh, with the investigations, obviously, you know, you, you look into something, you figure something out, you follow the clues, and hopefully by the end of it, you end up achieving the goal that you want and everything like that. I was kind of surprised in looking back through it that it it might start out going down that road for an episode, and usually you ended up on, you know, a fairly happy note or whatever, but it didn't always necessarily play out that way. Um, and as I think as the show kind of went on and they were more willing to test out new ideas and things like that, they did try some stuff that looking back now, uh, some of it I'm sure works better or holds up better, uh, than other stuff, but they did try some different, uh, tricks and tactics. It wasn't like there was always, here's the crime of the week. Here's, here's step one. Then we get introduced to these potential uh victims or characters or witnesses or suspects or whatever and then you go through and you follow three clues and then it wraps up in the same way over and over again i it did not have that procedural tick to it but i think uh, the the most important question is do they bring back robert loja every other <laughs> uh, every other episode to come in and do his job magnum come on magnum I see Judge Reinhold here, Magnum. What are we going to do about <laughs> yeah, him? That was a surprise in the pilot. <laughs> in a very minor role, for some reason. Here's Judge Reinhold, folks. Oh, yeah. Uh, some other some other people who turned up in my little uh, trivia stuff. Uh, this was in the age where shows were still uh, willing to go through and um, do cross-promotions for one another. So... Um, there was a Simon and Simon crossover episode and a Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote episode. Oh, man. I just realized that, yeah, I'm a child of the 80s and a child of television, but I was not a child of every television show because I know the basics of Murder, She Wrote. I have no clue what Simon and Simon was about. Again, I know the theme songs of these shows and that's it. I mean, all this crap, Hunter, uh, uh, Equalizer, uh, the uh, what was the helicopter one? Oh, Airwolf. Airwolf. I don't know. What the hell was this all about? And the only thing I saw was the A-Team, and you go back and watch that now, and oh, my God, what a <laughs> steaming pile of garbage. It makes Dukes of the Hazard look like an Oscar winner. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, no, no. It makes Dukes of Hazard look like an Oscar winner. A- the A-Team television show was such pure garbage. 
Uh, you, in, in addition to Orson Welles turning up as a voice on the phone and everything, you had an entire season seven episode with uh, Frank Sinatra in it. <laughs> oh, good lord! Uh, they did a uh, black and white 1940s kind of murder mystery episode that sounded kind of interesting. I didn't actually go back and watch it. Uh, the one that gave me the biggest laugh. Uh, when I saw the description, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't have it up in front of me, it was a season six episode, and I, I kid you not, uh, Magnum fight or investigates or fights to save an African prince who's in danger of being assassinated by a dolphin. <laughs> that just sounds like somebody completely bored or just got fired, <laughs> owed one more script and said, fuck and you, said, I'm just going right. to make an assassin dolphin. Yeah. Go. You have to make this. <laughs> oh, my God. And then um, I, I, I said when I was doing my introduction and everything, you almost had seven full seasons. Well, a normal full season forever and ever was about 22 episodes or so. Season eight uh, when it happened, was only 13 because they only intended to do seven episodes. So, spoiler alert for Magnum P.I. Um, he dies at the end of season seven. Okay. And they literally have him, you know, walking into the light and everything. And there was such a public outcry about the way that that ended that they said, okay, fine. We we got everybody back. We'll come back. We'll put a button on this thing. We'll do 13 more episodes. And that's how season eight came about, was people were so attached to the show and so upset by the way that it was originally intended to end that you got another 13 episodes out of it. Oh, you got to think just what a different world we live in right now that people would get so attached to a show like that for no other reason that there wasn't anything else. There were three channels. And so <laughs> it, there's just, that's why I would wonder whether or not this is an exercise in futility, because if it's going to be remade, it's just going to be the Hawaii five Oh remake. And there's, is there anything you can do? I, I mean, we talk about shows that have a high concept and like quantum leap could be remade now because of the concept, but mm -hmm. Magnum PI that is a pure example of 80s television. I mean, that is the, the finest example of 80s television, Magnum P.I., eight seasons. Mm -hmm. Because there were three networks and people got in love with the show because there was a lack of options. <laughs> now with options, that show would just fall into Friday night at 9 o'clock on CBS with some young meathead mm -hmm. and it would follow eight o'clock's Hawaii five Oh remake and they would cross over at some point and you'd be watching an NFL game in November sweeps. And during halftime, whoever the November, the uh, CBS announcer is who's, and there's a timeout for Buffalo and <laughs> take some time out this Friday for CBS's Friday night all Hawaii lineup as Hawaii Five O crosses over with Magnum, and they might just run into each other. Derp. Oh, and then on Blue Bloods, Tom Selleck <laughs> flies to Hawaii and meets the new Magnum. It's an all new big event this Friday on CBS. Now back to football, 
Ooh. So that's what I could see right there. Okay. Well, I've, I've got a few ideas here that'll hopefully, if nothing else, give us something to talk about other than that. Because <laughs> I think you're right. I think that would be the impulse normally to do that is it's just kind of like, well, all right, we've already got crews to film this stuff in hawaii because of the other series that we got and that's working out okay and we'll just set up some different shots hire somebody and this thing will sink or swim and if it doesn't well we can just write it off our bottom line we're covered one way or another (laughs) I, i think that would be the normal impulse um i'm gonna i'm gonna blend a couple of things that really don't sound like they should ever go together so bear with me for a second Okay. Uh, first, I don't think this should go back on to CBS. I know it's a CBS property, um, but I don't think that this should go back onto regular network television, nor do I think it should go onto cable. I think if you're going to try to bring this back, um, you go with kind of the Netflix model or some kind of alternate type of thing where you can just make a given number of episodes and let people kind of find it or discover it in their own time and you don't have that the same kind of ratings pressure or judgments or you don't have to worry about the marketing in the same way so it gives the show a little bit of a breathing room or is is that trying to squeeze too much into a box it's already been in and can it be better served in the charlie's angels movie way well, uh, su- just doing that. Su- oh, suggestion two. Uh, I I don't I don't think you've ever watched any episodes of this, but Sherlock have not. No. Okay. Each of their season, or if you're ever in the UK series, uh, lasts three episodes, and each episode is about ninety minutes. Yeah, I mean, I'm aware of that. It's kind of like the true detective model that everyone's talking about now, where it's mm-hmm. maybe nine or ten episodes, and then they'll do another, whatever, just a little anthology run. Yeah, so. I I think, again, if I, if I was tasked with bringing this back, I think I'd go with more of that model. You definitely don't need 22 episodes, um, so that you don't have any more Dolphin Assassin episodes thrown in to fill up time or something like that. Um, I think you also, if you follow that format, you can do a lot more with some of the modern storytelling techniques of interweaving things with making true season or story arcs and things of that nature. And then my other kind of key suggestion, and this would definitely not be popular uh, with probably any of the broadcast networks or something like that, but I don't really want to see this show get updated in time. I think one of the key ingredients, and I think one of the reasons that the show worked the way that it did when it did, was that it was set in the 80s. Um, I think you can still deal with things going on in today's world, kind of topically, so to speak, um, because you still have uh, wars going on that you've got an aftermath to. You've still got... um, you know, the issue of drugs and things like that. You've still got a nation working to kind of balance right and wrong and find itself in certain circumstances, and you've still got crime, obviously. So I think you can go through and just kind of update this. Now, does it have to be like awesome 80s tried and true and follow it that way? Not necessarily. I mean, I think there's been uh, success in different iterations of something like Batman where – 
it's they strive for kind of a timeless quality with it. It might have the look and feel somewhat of like the 40s or 30s or something like that, but you're not bogged down with that time period or something. Uh, but I think if you go and just totally update this, yeah, it's just going to get lost in the noise or people are going to be like, oh, that looks exactly like Hawaii Five O or something like that. Uh, or it you give you give these guys a cell phone, you solve I don't know how many problems. So <laughs> again, I, I think if you want to stay truer to the characters and what originally kind of made the series work, uh, even if you don't stay, I mean, you know, TV you can do all kinds of stuff with. Uh, even if you don't stay all the way through the entire series or whatever, you at least start out in that time period. Or they could just go ahead, throw it away, and do a Magnum PI video game where they actually have sweat coming off the character's mustache as he runs around Robin's estate. That would be fantastic. TC is unavailable. You have to fly the helicopter. Go! (laughs) And then just have Tom Selleck do a bunch of random narrations. I don't know. You have to get over there on a helicopter. Uh, we talked about that last night. We just can't do this. So yeah, we can't. We can't, can't voices for he, this. He's got, he's got kind of one of these things, but I can hear the voice. But oh god, um, <laughs> yeah, just well, I'm not uh, it's trying. Worst, 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 worst Tom Selleck ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Get a T-shirt. I do the worst Tom Selleck impersonation ever. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> Every time he does Tom Selleck go. Well, just based on watching the pilot episode, I think it was a a decent enough idea of a show, and I would obviously have to watch a lot more to really grasp onto it. And I like the idea of Netflix just because it is of the now and doing very, very short runs, if for no other reason that the problem we've always talked about is that you need an ending you need a longer story and just the jump in, here's the solve, leave, and then come back next week and it'll be exactly the same with a reset is just never working. So if there's a story to tell there, blending back to a lot of the flashbacks they did with the, the war and a lot of the issues he had there, then you'd have something. But what we always come down to in TV, it's got to be truncated. It's got to have an ending. You cannot yes. <laughs> drag it on, which I think will lead to our next episode when we talk about The Simpsons. <laughs> and just talking, talk about dragging it on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just it, there has to be an ending, has to be concise. And I, that's why I would think a movie might work better. Maybe not the ultra comedic tone that they went with the Charlie's Angels movie but or even the 21 Jump Street movies yeah I mean 21 Jump Street movies those are awesome movies and they completely make a joke of the show and realize that they're in on the joke but you could do that you could do that with Magnum P.I. and you could there are sequences of the Charlie's Angels movies where they in their own kind of way treat whatever they're doing seriously but it's mm-hmm. always with a little bit of a glint of joy realizing right. they're in a fantasy world so mm-hmm. you could do that with this character it seems oh yeah easily and you can make a movie where you just bring in all of the bad guys from every episode of all eight seasons and they're all coming to get him <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and he, he has to fight all, he has to figure out everything in the span of two hours. <laughs> These guys are pissed with Magnum P.I. <laughs> we just redo Magnum P.I. with the, the version of the Seinfeld finale. We just bring back all of the characters and put Magnum on trial. There, there you go. Operating outside the law. Damn you, Magnum. <laughs> Did he ever run into any cops or anything who had problems with, uh, at least what I saw in the pilot, where he was kind of doing a little underhanded stuff that wasn't really legal? Oh, yeah. He bent the rules quite a bit, I think, through his investigations. But, I mean, going back to the basic setup of him being a private investigator, that's kind of one of the hallmarks of those types of characters. They tend to play a little loose and easy where it is benefiting them or their client to break the law some. So, yeah. Well, that's about all I've got to say on it because it seems really kind of thin, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that it looked like they could deal with in his past, but mm -hmm. ultimately, to me, without seeing it, it just seems a little thin. Here he is, and here's the story, and here he's going to do uh, solve this crime, and then solve this crime, and then hang out with these guys. And there's some good fun to ha be had in just a hang out with these guys kind of a thing, but... Uh, yeah, I think I think if you were going to go back and, uh, again, if you wanted to update it in time or even if you wanted to go with my suggestion about keeping it more grounded in you know, the time period it was created in, I, I think the casting for this would be critical. And I know I'm not saying anything earth-shattering with that because it always is critical uh, with movies or television, but I think particularly with the likability and ability to connect as an audience with the character, you got to get Magnum right. <laughs> Take a drink. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about covers Magnum PI. We don't have to drag this on forever. Nope. 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 I think uh, the number one choice you don't really have to remake it, I would say. Number oh, two. No, it's not. I don't think the world will be any less if nobody ever goes back and remakes it. No. Number two, Netflix. Yep. Netflix or Amazon. Make a mm -hmm. small five-episode run of sure. Magnum P.I., The Modern Age. Or, number three, Magnum P.I., It's 1980. Back in the day. 1980. 1980. 1980. 1980. Or uh, number whatever letter F you go into the movie world. And just go ahead and make a two-hour movie about Magnum P.I. And you could kind of go to where, you know, they did in the 40s where they had uh, whatever the hell uh, Bogart's P.I. name was. What was the famous detective that Bogart played? Slade? No. Something. Uh oh, I don't know. Johnny Slade, or whatever the hell it was. It was a, uh, and just here's the next adventure. Now, of course, in the 40s, that was because there was no TV. So it was essentially sure. was a TV version just in theaters. So you could do that where you have Magnum PI, and here's his next adventure, and you just do a two hour. Fuck it. You could just do a two hour movie of the week on CBS like they used to do years ago. And you could try and do a backdoor pilot where we're just could. doing a, a movie about a modern 
Magnum PI, and if it's successful, well, we'll spin it off and make a a show out of it like they did with ER. But mm-hmm. if it's not, well, we got a two-hour movie of the week out of Magnum PI. If nothing else, more people will watch the old stuff on Netflix or Hulu or wherever it's available. Sure. Exactly. And then uh, Tom Selleck will get a resurgence, and when they reboot Indiana Jones, they'll bring Tom <laughs> Selleck in. <laughs> As Indiana Jones' uh, brother. There, I was going to say, there you go. We'll we'll do the six degrees of Indiana Jones. <laughs> We've already seen his son, his father, the next Indiana Jones. Uh, Dr. Henry Jones Jr., I'd like to meet your brother, Dr. Illinois Jones Jr. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Indy. You're what, Illy? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> In my best Tom Selleck impersonation. Yeah, yeah, I Take am. Take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so does that does that cover Magnum? Yeah, I think we I think we've done it justice, and it's it's if nothing else, some of those episodes are good for a laugh or just basic entertainment. Go back and check it out. Just see what see for yourself. See what uh, what used to float people's boats or still holds up. Or take a drink. Or take a drink. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. <laughs> Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Okay, but... Ah!